Hey, well, friends and family, we're so glad that we get to gather again, even though it's virtually, that we get to come together and dive into the Word together. And so just as we would on a Sunday if we were meeting in Martin, we want your eyes to be on the Word today. And so follow along in the app, uh, look in your Bible app, whatever you want to do to be with us today. And we want to continue to do what we would do if we're gathering on a Sunday. And so I don't know where you are. I don't know when you're watching this. So Good morning, good afternoon, buenas noches. We are glad that you're with us, and we're so glad to gather again and to really celebrate coming together just to be in the Word. And so uh, we know and just want to recognize the reality of what's going on right now. And so before we dive into the Word, God really put it on my heart this morning just to acknowledge some of what we're feeling right now. Uh, Really physically, I mean, hey, we're fighting over toilet paper, okay? Um, Physically, though, we can be the church, and we can serve one another. Um, Emotionally, we can feel lonely. We can feel like we're distant from people right now, and that's a real thing. Um, We can feel scattered emotionally as we look at the news and as we look at social media. We can feel scattered and have our emotions all over Um, We can also spiritually feel hopeless if we're not putting our hope in Christ. We can actually spiritually feel hopeless. And so we want to spiritually, though, look at what we can be. We can be rooted in God's word and we can find our hope in him and in him alone. We can find our hope in the gospel. And so as we're going to look at today, we want to continue to put our hope there. And so just acknowledging that we're physically tired that we're emotionally kind of exhausted and spiritually we might be feeling from God, distant from God and distant from others, uh, we just want to point ourselves back to the reality that we get to be with Jesus face to face one day. If we forget that the joy of eternity would be really easy for us to get caught up in everything that's going on around us. And so I actually want to pray for us that we'd have eternity in our minds, that we'd be focused on Christ during this time more than ever, that we get to actually see him face to face. I love this, this quote from Tim Keller, especially when we're feeling distant from people. He reminds us with this truth. He says, in a little while, you will meet in heaven And he, Jesus, will be then nearer and dearer to you than the nearest friend you have upon this earth right now. I love that truth that as we desire to be together, we can look towards eternity and know that we will be closer and in right relationship with Jesus one day than ever before. Uh, If we have eternity in mind, really then we can be the best citizens of heaven, right? When we know where we're going, we can then act and interact here and be the church in ways that others cannot. Uh, Really, I think people that are convinced that their citizenship is in heaven, they're not necessarily worrying about all the fears of this world. In fact, they get to step in with the gospel and say, hey, this is what Jesus says to the coronavirus. Hey, this is what Jesus says to cancer. This is what Jesus says to divorce. This is what Jesus says in all these situations. Guys, that hasn't changed. The gospel is still the gospel. And so we get to cling to that truth of who he is and where he's taking us. Uh, Peter actually says that we're like sojourners. And so before we get into 1 Thessalonians, I just want to read this as well where he says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct amongst the Gentiles honorable, 
so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visitation. Man, we get to act in such a way that we're like sojourners. We're living in a land that is not our own and we get to know where we're headed. And so I actually wanna pray that for us this morning that wherever you are, wherever you're listening, with this message today that's really about sanctifying us and making us look more like Christ, would that make your heart long for eternity today? Would you be excited about that? So I wanna pray for us as we get going here. Father, we submit to you that in this time of chaos, we can be physically and emotionally and even spiritually weary. But Father, I pray that you would allow us to be strengthened emotionally, to be strengthened physically, and to be strengthened uh, really just in all that we're doing relationally, God. We're socially distancing, and, and Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us and equip us with every good work through you to do your glory and your will. We pray that your spirit would empower us and encourage us today. And that because of the cross, because we know where we're headed, that we would then live differently than the world. That the gospel would change everything about us. We love you and we praise you. And we just submit this time to you. Wherever we're listening, whatever we're doing, would we pause and focus on you, Jesus, and how you are the answer to everything. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Awesome. If you would, with us, would you turn to 1 Thessalonians 4? We're going to continue in our 1 Thessalonians series. And once again, it's pretty crazy to see that we get to just walk through this book, and it's like God has ordained that this book would be what we're in right now. And so it's a joy for us to go through this together. Um, I want to encourage you right here that, man, as we look at this passage, would we remember that God wants to make us look more like his son. He wants to sanctify us, really. And he wants to teach us and walk with us until we see him face to face. And so you have a God that doesn't leave you alone. He doesn't quarantine you away from him. He wants to enter in and he wants to sanctify you. He wants to teach you and he wants to walk with you. And so we get to confess our sins. We get to be transformed. And just as we, we read a prayer confession earlier, we get to do that in a way where we have hope. We have hope that God doesn't leave us where we are. And so I pray that as you look at the gospel today, as we look at this truth, you wouldn't think that God's left you in this situation, whatever it might be. Uh, it's easy for us to look at coronavirus and see how that overshadows everything. But hey, the rest of life is going on. There's other things that are difficult as well. And so we can still continue to be the church and meet each other's needs in these ways. And so we see in the first three chapters of Thessalonians that Paul was encouraging the church in Thessaloniki to really just be encouraged. He's saying, hey, you're doing a great job. And because of the gospel, because you receive the gospel well, now do these things. And so we're kind of making a shift in the book here. Now we're getting to see how we should act and live in light of the gospel. Yeah. And so for a lot of us, we might be thinking, hey, I got saved. Jesus saved me. I am good to go. There's nothing wrong. I'm just going to do life now, right? But man, you ain't that saved, right? Like you saved, but God's still working on you, okay? And so what we talk about a lot of times when we're talking about being saved, we're really saying we're justified. But we want to see today how God wants to sanctify us and grow us to look more like his son. And so I'm going to ask a few friends here to read with me. But if you would read along in 1 Thessalonians 4, we're going to start in verses 1 and 2. And so Mary, could you read verses 1 and 2 for us? Absolutely. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Finally then, brothers... 
we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you were doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Awesome. Thanks for reading that, Mary. As we're looking at this, I want to encourage you to look at how God has been working in your own life. Look at your own story. Look at how he's been working over the years, uh, maybe some over the months, really, of what God's been doing. But in this, you can see that he's still working. He's still moving. Uh, As a church, we believe that the gospel changes everything. It changes everything about us. It influences every area of our lives. And so as Paul is saying this, when he says finally in verse 1, it's really kind of a therefore statement. It can be like, hey, because of the gospel, therefore do this. And because you have experienced this good news, you've experienced the gospel, you should be living differently. And I know there's a few guys I get to disciple at the well, and some of them, they're saying, hey, I came to Christ like a year ago, and like every series or everything we're preaching through or walking through, everything we do in community group, it's like God wants to teach me that that week. I'm praying that's still true, that God would continue to grow you. And so as you're thinking of what Jesus has done, think of where he's taking you as well. And so we get to look forward with this hope um, where he's taking us because of what has been taught to us in the word, because of Jesus' sacrifice. And we want to continue, and we're going to look at verses 3 through 8. Elizabeth, would you read that for us? For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, but that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God. Who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Dang, that should be a little bit convicting. Uh, It should be something that's prevalent for all of us, right? Um, We don't really just grow out of the gospel. We don't grow out of being more like Jesus. And so as we look at this word, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about how the gospel should affect your sex life. The gospel should affect everything that you do. And if we really believe this, then it will change everything about us as well. And the gospel is really countercultural. Here in Thessaloniki, uh, you see a city where they're actually a port city. They're very uh, affluential. They, they have a lot of resources. Um, and in this place, uh, you get to see a lot of money come through. These people are not hurting in a lot of ways. And actually, I got to live there as a missionary in parts of 2012 and 2013. And what I got to see was when I was there as part of the recession and there was a lot of chaos going on and somewhat similar to what things are going on right now, there was actually a 42% unemployment rate for the Greeks there. But there was a lot of other people doing their jobs. And so we see here that there's a cultural thing that we're going to see in a minute where Paul wants to change that. He wants to shift that. And you can also look back at at verse 3 right there. It says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Now I'm going to pause right there because it's easy just to focus on sexual immorality. It's easy to think that's all Paul is talking about right here. But he says, This is the will of God, your sanctification. How many of you have been wanting to know what the will of God is for your life? He wants you to look more like Jesus. That is the will of God for your life. 
It's not, okay, God, is your will that I would marry this person or your will be that I would get this job or is your will this? No, it's be able to look more like Jesus every single day. That's the will of God in your life. And so as Paul is talking about sexual immorality, that goes for everybody, yes, but he's also talking about all sin, that you would grow to look more like Jesus, that the will of God would sanctify you. That's what he's doing here. So if you look at verse 4, he says, that each one of you know how to control his body in holiness and honor. Man, this is why we fast. This is why we pray. This is why we walk through different spiritual disciplines in our lives so that we can see how God is working in us. He's changing us. He's transforming us. Uh, We say it a lot. We don't want just spiritual information, but we actually want spiritual transformation, right? And so in that, we want to see God grow us to look more like his son. And the big issue here in Thessaloniki was that they were going through a really sexual promiscuous culture and they were turning to Jesus. And so they were being redeemed. They were stepping out of a lot of promiscuous lifestyles to choose Jesus. And so Paul knew this was a struggle for them. And it was just a reality of where they were. In Austin, hey, Austin, keep it weird, right? We thankfully, in some ways, we've walked through a lot of stuff where the culture is having to change right now. There's a party culture that we just have to acknowledge the reality of. When I was in Thessaloniki, I met a guy who ran a hot dog stand from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. You think, you know, people in America know how to party? We have no idea how to party like they do, okay? There's a truth uh, in here where we get to see that, that Paul's drawing people to Jesus as the one who's also the one that forgives them and the one who avenges this sin. And it's amazing that he would use that in a comforting way. That God's actually one who avenges this. Um, because you see that our sin doesn't just affect us. Yeah. And that's a hard reality, especially with sexual immorality. Is that our sin affects other people. Whether it's looking at pornography or having an affair or an emotional attachment with somebody. Whatever it might be, it's not just affecting you. And Satan would love to lie to you and tell you that your sexual sin only affects you. And we see here in the early church that it was no different, that their sin affects the church, that it goes against brothers and sisters. And so the Gentiles, they're focused on themselves. Very selfish right here. But yet some of these believers who had said, I choose you, Jesus, they were still living in this sexual sin. And we want to just acknowledge the reality. There's many of us, even at the the well, we're a young church, right? Mm -hmm. We are often caught up in these similar sins. And so we want to confess, just as like we did in worship, we want to have opportunity for that. But we also want to just look at the seriousness of our sin. Do we take our sin seriously? If you look at verse 7 there, there's a hope here. It says, For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. God's called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He's called you into hope. He's brought you out of the muck and the nastiness of life. And he's saying, I've called you out. Why do you want to go back to that? And Satan would love nothing more for us to jump back in. And so when we see what the will of God is for our life, it's not to stay in that sin. I want to encourage you as as we're looking at this here is that as we grow to love God, we should grow to hate our sin. Theologian Jonathan Edwards writes, The more a true saint loves God, the more he mourns for sin. Do you mourn your sin? Do you mourn your sexual immorality? 
Do you mourn even the past, the things that God has already healed you of? Have you mourned and grieved those things? It says here, it's just really good to do, that we would do that together. Would we acknowledge the ugliness of our sin and the reality that, hey, we are broken and fallen and we desperately need Jesus? Man, I, I want to encourage you too, if, if you are curious, to, to look back at one of the sermons we did last spring. We were in a relationship series, and Tori did a great talk on how we see sex, really, in our spiritual walk. Do we see sex as a god or an idol, like Tori talked about earlier in this series of First Thessalonians, where are we willing to lay down these idols? Is sex a god to you? Is sex gross? that maybe you grew up in a household that might have been legalistic, or maybe you went through a lot of trauma, even as a child, and sex is just gross, and you want to distance yourself from that. Or is sex a good gift, a gift from God that you can experience in marriage, in a covenant relationship that glorifies God? So we actually have a sermon on that I would love to point you to in our resources that you could go back to. And in that, we, we want to see sex as a gift, that as we look forward to what the gospel teaches us, that we would be able to go forward and enjoy what God's brought us out of because we get to love each other the way that God has designed us to. And so if you, you look at verse 8, you see that if you reject an exhortation to sexual purity, you're actually rejecting God. This is a hard truth for us, that we're not just rejecting other people or friends who are discipling us or a community group shepherd who tells us, hey man, y'all might want to chill out. That's not who we're rejecting. We're actually rejecting the God who created us. Because when we sin sexually, we're sinning against another image bearer. And so we're affecting the very heart of God, those that are imaging him and loving him. And so we get to love each other appropriately, honorably, and take our sin seriously in that. How can we pursue holiness in a time where it's chaotic? How can we, during coronavirus, grow to look more like Christ? I think practical holiness is really a gift from God. It's not out of our achievement. It's not what we bring to the table. And it's not that God's holding out on us. I remember when I was a little kid, my dad was taking a nap on a Sunday afternoon. And I was like, hey, Dad, can I get ice cream? It was like right before he's going to go to bed. And you guys know what this is like. You know, your kids want something and they're ready to take it. And so I asked him, hey, can I get some ice cream? But I had an addiction to ice cream. And I only ate out of this one little bowl is this size because I ate so much ice cream. And so my parents were like, hey, this is your assigned bowl. You don't get more than this. <laughs> and so I went and I didn't get my assigned bowl. Dad said yes to ice cream, but I went and I got a plate. And I filled that plate with the whole thing of Briar's ice cream. And then I got some Oreos and dad was asleep. And I was so arrogant as like an eight or nine year old. I went and I sat by him and started eating it. And I remember him waking up and it being very historic in my life. I'll just leave it at that. But in that moment, as a little kid and in my immaturity, I thought, man, they're holding out on me. I can only have this little bowl right here. There's all of this that I can see. Why can't I have that? And I got to see that God's heart for me as I matured and grew up a lot, hopefully, was that, man, God's best is his best. Mm -hmm. That what I think is best is not always best. And to realize that God's way is the best way. And that I get to follow that and walk in that, and that is good. That God's not holding out on me. And maybe you've experienced some pain Mm -hmm. in sexual immorality. Maybe you yourself have not given that over to God. I want to challenge you that you can't forgive yourself. Mm 
as God wants to sanctify you and make you look more like Jesus during this time, maybe you just have less of a commute because you're working from home. Maybe your, your schedule's all tossed up in the air. Like you have an opportunity to receive God's forgiveness in a fresh way today. Would you stop trying to take Jesus' place on the cross? Would you not let yourself try to be crucified and beat yourself up so that you can do what only Jesus can do for you? I want to challenge you to let Jesus forgive you and to stop trying to forgive yourself. We only find forgiveness in him. And as we talked about confession earlier, James 5, 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Man, confession, it's not self-loathing. It's not self-deprecating. It's not hiding the truth. Confession is actually declaring the truth, declaring our need for God. It's honest, it's vocal, and it's genuine. And so I would challenge you this week, maybe you're supposed to FaceTime with somebody, get on a Zoom call. What can you confess with each other and then pray over each other that we can still do that during this time? So God wants to sanctify us. He wants to make us look more like his son. And God wants to teach us. We believe it the way we are guided by the word and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're empowered. We're not doing this on our own strength. And so we're going to look at verses 9 through 12 to see how we can really walk this out together. Juhan, would you read that for yeah. us, man? That's what it says. It says, Now, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourself have been taught by God mm-hmm. to love one another. Yeah. For that, indeed, is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers to do this more and more Mm -hmm. and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you Mm -hmm. so that you may live properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Man, you see how Paul's calling them to be different than the culture. He's calling them out of the culture and he's actually complimenting them in a huge way that I think we could actually receive today as well. Because God is teaching them. For a lot of you, it's why I really feel like God has taught you. It's nothing special that we've said. It's nothing that has been sung on a Sunday or a great sermon by Tori or anybody else. It's been God himself teaching you that his spirit is empowering you and teaching you the word. And so God has taught us how to love each other. He continues to teach us how to love each other. And that doesn't change with coronavirus. That doesn't change if we're doing this virtually. But God desires not just to sanctify you and leave you where you are, but he wants to then teach you beyond that. He wants you to look like his son and continue to be taught to be like his son. He wants to teach you. And so God himself is teaching you. He's teaching us how to love each other. He's teaching us how to cast out fear, really. So 1 John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Man, we don't have to fear punishment from a God who sent his son to us when we choose to walk in that forgiveness and grace. But as we read earlier too, man, when we're not receiving his forgiveness, when we haven't received the gospel, when we're not saying, I want to be a Christ follower, we see that God can't have anything to do with sin, that he does avenge that. And so we want to walk in such a way where we love each other, where it's obvious to the outside world that Jesus is greater than anything else in this world, that his love and his sacrifice teaches us 
how to love. Mm-hmm. So God sanctifies us. God teaches us. And thankfully, God walks with us. Mm-hmm. He walks with us. Philippians 1.27 is another passage where Paul is encouraging the church in Philippi. And he says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit and with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. We might not be side by side. We might be like six feet apart, but (laughs) we want to continue to strive that the gospel would be where our heartbeat is, that our faith would be standing firm in the gospel. And so we get to do that together and walk with each other, but we also get to walk with God himself. J.C. Ryle, uh, an author, writes this. He says that we can really grow in grace together. And so as we hate our sin and as we're sanctified, as we continue to walk this out in good works, we see that God teaches us this. And so he says, when I speak of a man growing in grace, I mean simply this, that his sense of sin is becoming deeper, his faith stronger, his hope brighter, his love more extensive, his spiritual mindedness more marked. He feels more of the power of godliness in his own heart. He manifests more of it in his life. He is going from strength to strength, from faith to faith, and from grace to grace. Would we hate our sin and love our more, our Savior more every day? Do you hate your sin and love your Savior more every day? I mean, if we're honest, when we heard, hey, we get to work from home or, hey, I don't have to do this or that and our responsibilities shifted, the first thing that came to your mind might not be being sanctified, right? <laughs> like you were like, yes, I've been wanting to watch this Netflix show. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I'm excited to cook some more barbecue, Korean barbecue, barbecue, okay? <laughs> um, maybe you got excited about the things of this world. But do you, in this moment, want to be sanctified to look more like Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He wants to sanctify you. He wants to teach you and walk with you until you see him face to face. That's Jesus' will for you. This is the will of God of your life, that you would be sanctified, that you'd abstain from sexual immorality, you'd abstain from other sin so that you would look more and more like Jesus Christ. And so we want to give you a moment to reflect on how Jesus walks with you, that he hasn't left you where you are, He hasn't left you in a lonely place. He wants to continue to be with you and walk with you. And so we want to give you an opportunity to answer these few questions as we go into a time of worship. We want to ask that you take this time just to reflect. There's going to be some questions that you can look at. And as Anthony's playing and as we get to just process together what God's teaching us through his word, that even in the midst of fear, in the midst of uncertainty, God's not done growing us to look more like his son that we get to participate in our sanctification, that it's not just that God is gonna do this and take care of us and sanctify us, but that we get a part to play and that he's allowed us into this. And so I wanna ask you, how is Jesus sanctifying you during this time? What is God teaching you during this time? And in what ways do you see God walking with you during this time? So we want to ask you just to reflect on those questions. And we're going to come back together and worship and celebrate that God doesn't leave us where we are, but that he challenges us to excel still more, just like Paul challenged the church in Thessaloniki, that we would look more like the Son of God 
Jesus Christ. And that in that we get to experience life. Life that is countercultural to the world, life that is different than anything that this world has to offer. We will get to experience living out the gospel together. As you fill out those questions and as you reflect on really what God's teaching you during this time, how you can look more like His Son and be sanctified, and how you can walk with Him during this time, I'd encourage you to share that with somebody. Maybe it's somebody that you're in the room with right now. Uh, maybe it's somebody that you can FaceTime or Facebook message or text or call or Skype or whatever you're doing to connect with other people. Uh, let's not do this alone. Let's do this as a family. And so let's see what God is teaching us. Let's celebrate how he's changing us and sanctifying us and redeeming us from our old life, taking away those desires of our sin. And would we do this together? Uh, at this time, we would typically take communion together. Uh, we would do that um, as a family. And so I just want to pray for us in the same vein to remember the cross right now. So as we enter into worship, would you take a moment just to pray and reflect? And as you would on a Sunday in taking communion, would you reflect in this moment what Jesus has done for you, what he's done for me, and how he has saved us from ourselves? And so we remember every time when we gather together that Jesus' blood was shed for us on the cross and that his body was broken. And we do that remembering the sacrifice, but also the hope and the new life that we have because Jesus didn't stay in the grave, but he rose again. And that as he died and was buried, we are dying and buried with him. And then we get to rise again and walk with him. That he, is, he rose and then he ascends into heaven. We get to ascend into heaven one day and he's coming back and taking us with him. And so we celebrate in a time of communion. We celebrate in a time of reflection we thank him for what he's done. So I'm going to pray for us in that, just as we would if we were together in Martin, that we would do that together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that you didn't leave us where we were, but that you chose to sanctify us, to teach us, and to walk with us. And so God, right now, we are actually stuck living quiet lives as you teach us in 1 Thessalonians 4, that we are having to do that, Lord. Would we honor you by the way we live with one another, by what we post, by what we comment, by how we call people? Would we live quiet lives in such a way that point to you, Jesus, and not to ourselves? Would we abstain from sexual immorality and look to the cross 
is the answer for our fulfillment and our joy. Would we find forgiveness in the cross? And would we live with hope that we're gonna see you eternally face to face? That we would live with the joy of where we are headed and where you're taking us, God. You are so good to us and we don't deserve to be in your presence. We don't deserve to have your son die for us and to rise again and take us with him to you. But Lord, we praise you for that truth and we praise you for the joy that we get to see you face to face, redeemed by the blood of your son, Jesus. We love you and we worship you now in Jesus' name.